The following reading is from Venerable Fulton J. Sheen's preface to Volume 1 of the American edition of Radio Replies, 1938. There are not over a hundred people in the United States who hate the Catholic Church. There are millions, however, who hate what they wrongly believe to be the Catholic Church, which is, of course, quite a different thing. These millions can hardly be blamed for hating Catholics because Catholics adore statues, because they put the Blessed Mother on the same level with God, because they say indulgence is a permission to commit sin, because the Pope is a fascist, or because the Church is the defender of capitalism. If the Church taught or believed any one of these things, it should be hated. But the fact is that the Church does not believe nor teach any one of them. It follows then that the hatred of the millions is directed against error and not against truth. As a matter of fact, if we Catholics believed all the untruths and lies which were said against the Church, we probably would hate the Church a thousand times more than they do. If I were not a Catholic, and were looking for the true Church in the world today, I would look for the one Church which did not get along well with the world. In other words, I would look for the Church which the world hates. My reason for doing this would be that if Christ is in any one of the churches of the world today, he must still be hated as he was when he was on earth in the flesh. If you would find Christ today, then find the church that does not get along with the world. Look for the church that is hated by the world, as Christ was hated by the world. Look for the church which is accused of being behind the times, as our Lord was accused of being ignorant and never having learned. Look for the church which men sneer at as socially inferior, as they sneered at our Lord because he came from Nazareth. Look for the church which is accused of having a devil, as our Lord was accused of being possessed by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Look for the church which, in seasons of bigotry, men say must be destroyed in the name of God, as men crucified Christ and thought they had done a service to God. Look for the church which the world rejects, because it claims it is infallible, as Pilate rejected Christ because he called himself the truth. Look for the church which is rejected by the world, as our Lord was rejected by men. Look for the church which amid the confusion of conflicting opinions, its members love as they love Christ, and respect its voice as the very voice of its founder, and the suspicion will grow that if the church is unpopular with the spirit of the world, then it is unworldly. And if it is unworldly, it is otherworldly. Since it is otherworldly, it is infinitely loved and infinitely hated as was Christ himself. But only that which is divine can be infinitely hated and infinitely loved. Therefore, the church is divine. If the hatred of the church is founded on erroneous beliefs, it then follows that the basic need of the day is instruction. Love depends on knowledge, for we cannot aspire nor desire the unknown. Our great country is filled with what might be called marginal Christians, Christians who live on the fringe of religion and who are descendants of Christian living parents, but who now are Christians only in name. They retain a few of its ideals out of indolence and force of habit. They knew the glorious history of Christianity only through certain emasculated forms of it, which have married the spirits of the age and are now dying with it. Of Catholicism and its sacraments, its pardon, its grace, its certitude, and its peace, 
they know nothing except a few inherited prejudices. And yet, they are good people who want to do the right thing, but who have no definite philosophy concerning it. They educate their children without religion, and yet they resent the compromising morals of their children. They would be angry if you told them they were not Christian, and yet they do not believe that Christ is God. They resent being called pagans, and yet they never take a practical cognizance of the existence of God. There is only one thing of which they are certain, and that is that things are not right as they are. It is just that single certitude which makes them what might be called the great potentials, for they are ready to be pulled in either of two directions. Within a short time, they must take sides. They must either gather with Christ, or they must scatter. They must either be with him, or against him. They must either be on the cross as other Christs, or under it as other executioners. Which way will these marginal Christians tend? The answer depends upon those who have the faith. Like the multitudes who followed our Lord into the desert, they are as sheep without a shepherd. They are waiting to be shepherded, either with the sheep or goats. Only this much is certain. Being human and having hearts, they want more than a class struggle in economics. They want life. They want truth. And they want love. In a word, they want Christ. It is to these millions who believe wrong things about the church, and to these marginal Christians, that this little book is sent. It is not to prove that they are wrong. It is not to prove that we are right. It is merely to present the truth in order that the truth may conquer through the grace of God. When men are starving, one need not to go to them and tell them to avoid poison, nor to eat bread because there are vitamins in bread. One need only to go to them and tell them that they are starving, and here is bread, and the laws of nature will do the rest. This volume of radio replies goes out on a similar mission. Its primary task is not to humble the erroneous, not to glorify the Catholic Church as intellectual and self-righteous, but to present the truth in a calm, clear manner, in order that with the grace of God, souls may come to the blessed embrace of Christ. It is not only the point of radio replies to prove that the Church is the only completely soul-satisfying Church in existence at the present day. It is also to suggest that the Catholic Church is the only Church existing today which goes back to the time of Christ. History is so very clear on this point. It is curious how many minds miss its obviousness. When therefore you, the listeners and readers of Radio Replies in the 20th and now the 21st century, wish to know about Christ and about His early church and about His mysteries, we ask you to go not only to the written records but to the living church which began with Christ Himself. That church or that mystical person which has been living all these centuries is the basis of our faith, and to us Catholics, she speaks this way. I live with Christ. I saw his mother and I know her to be a virgin, and the loveliest and the purest of all women in heaven or on earth. I saw Christ at Caesarea Philippi, when after changing Simon's name to Rock, he told him he was the rock upon which the church would be built, and that it would endure unto the consummation of the world. I saw Christ hanging on a cross, and I saw him rise from the tomb. I saw Magdalene rush to his feet. I saw the angels clad in white beside the great stone. I was in the Senecal room when Doubting Thomas put fingers into his hands. 
I was an Olivet when he ascended into heaven and promised to send his spirits to the apostles to make them the foundation of his new mystical body on earth. I was at the stoning of Stephen, saw Saul hold the garments of those who slew him, and later I heard Saul, as Paul, preach Christ and him crucified. I witnessed the beheading of Peter and Paul in Rome, and with my very eyes saw tens of thousands of martyrs crimson the sands with their blood, rather than deny the faith Peter and Paul had preached unto them. I was living when Boniface was sent to Germany, when Augustine went to England, Cyril and Methodius to the Poles, and Patrick to Ireland. At the beginning of the ninth century, I recall seeing Charlemagne crowned as king in matters temporal, as Peter's vicar was recognized as supreme in matters spiritual. In the thirteenth century, I saw the great stones cry out in tribute to me, and burst into Gothic cathedrals. In the shadows of those same walls, I saw great cathedrals of thought arise in the prose of Aquinas and Bonaventure, and in the poetry of Dante. In the 16th century, I saw my children, softened by the spirits of the world, leave the Father's house and reform the faith instead of reforming discipline, which would have brought them back again into my embrace. In the last century, and at the beginning of this, I heard the world say, it could not accept me because I was behind the times. I am not behind the times. I am only behind the scenes. I have adapted myself to every form of government the world has ever known. I have lived with Caesars and kings, tyrants and dictators, parliaments and presidents, monarchies and republics. I have welcomed every advance of science, and were it not for me, the great records of the pagan world would not have been preserved. It is true. I have not changed my doctrine, but that is because the doctrine is not mine, but his, who sent me. I change my garments which belong to time, but not my spirit which belongs to eternity. In the course of my long life I have seen so many modern ideas become unmodern, that I know I shall live to chant a requiem over the modern ideas of this day, as I chanted it over the modern ideas of the last century. I celebrated the 1900th anniversary of the death of my Redeemer, and in a few years will be its second millennia, and yet I am no older now than then, for my spirit is eternal, and the eternal never ages. I am the abiding personage of the centuries, I am the contemporary of all civilizations, I am never out of date, because I am dateless, never out of time, because I am timeless. I have four great marks. I am one because I have the same soul I had in the beginning. I am holy because that soul is the spirit of holiness. I am Catholic because that spirit pervades every living cell of my body. And I am apostolic because my origin is identical with Nazareth, Galilee, and Jerusalem. I shall grow weak when my members become rich and cease to pray, but I shall never die. I shall be persecuted as I was persecuted in Mexico and Russia in the previous century, and now in the Middle East. I shall be crucified as I was on Calvary, but I shall rise again. And finally, when time shall be no more, and I shall have grown to my full stature, then shall I be taken into heaven, as the bride of my head, Christ, where the celestial nuptials shall be celebrated, and God shall be all in all, because His Spirit is love, and love is heaven.